podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation. It's the number one Star Trek podcast hosted by Matt and Andy from each other's homes in beautiful Los Angeles, California. Uh, I'm Matt. I'm Andy. Uh, so before we get into Time's uh, Arrow Snooze Fest Part 1... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Guess what is... Uh, should they watch this episode a little bit? <laughs> Andy and I have been talking, well, quite a bit since, uh, I would say, what, three weeks ago uh, when all the protests started. You know, we, we do a Star Trek podcast. We do... Uh, we do sit here every week and look at what is hopefully uh, the the potential future of humanity, a, a future where, where everyone is uh, treated equally. Look, we have talked about uh, this. We have been very close to the protests, uh, just, you know, in, in proximity. Andy has gone to quite a few. I've, I've been more fearful of, of COVID. And well, you have, a, you have a, a newborn baby. Also. I know, but he's already been to one protest than I have. <laughs> So my baby's getting out there. He's more active. Uh, and uh, we were like, well, what can we do on this dumb Star Trek podcast that can hopefully help? Uh, so we... Create the future that we're watching on television. Yeah, a future where, uh, you know, it just it never even occurred to me that uh, we wouldn't get to the future of Star Trek. Uh but it sounds like uh, and looks like we need to speed up the process and uh, help everyone see the, the the wonders of equality and to help out uh, with the situation and to uh, reinforce the fact that, yes, black lives, of course they matter, and we should be doing everything we can to let everybody know that. Uh, Andy and I have decided to take some of the uh, Star Trek The Next Conversation Income from Patreon and uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not. <laughs> and uh, we are donating uh, money to a number of charities. Andy has done some extensive research. My wife has done some research. And uh, we're going to donate to a bunch of different charities. And we're going to link to which ones. Uh, they'll be on our Instagram. Is that correct, Andy? That's right. Well, we're going to put it on the main feed, and then we're also, if you uh, if you want descriptions of them, I'm going to put them on the uh, the highlights, so you can uh, look at those. Uh, we encourage you to do your own research. We are uh, essentially two dummies that are just trying to do the right thing. Um, we're we're we were cautious about this being performative, but uh, we also want to encourage people to donate. We are the packlids of the of of social of society. I think we <laughs> yes. we're just looking for things <laughs> things to make <laughs> us go and hopefully help everybody else out. Uh, so that being said, we're gonna we're do, we rather than giving everything to a single charity, uh, Andy and I uh, we're we're splitting it up over a few uh, charities. Uh, we're gonna list them all on the Instagram page. You can go to Instagram and follow at uh, Star Trek TNC. Is that correct, Andy? Yes, at Star Trek TNC on Instagram and Twitter. 
there you go. All right, and uh, you'll see. But some of them, Andy, do you want to list some of them right now? Sure. Uh, a big one is a Movement for Black Lives, which is a network of more than 100 member organizations, and each of them focus on a different aspect of civil rights and criminal justice reform movements, such as Color of Change, uh, Black Movement Law Project, Black Lives Matter Network, and dozens of smaller local and regional groups that might otherwise struggle to receive funding. Um, and donations to Movement for Black Lives through Act Blue are regranted to these member organizations based on need, which allows for greater targeting efficiency. So that's probably one of the bigger ones we're donating to. Then there's Act Blue Racism and Police Brutality Funds. There is Asada's Daughters, a Daughters um, which is a black woman-led young person-directed organization which organizes young black people in Chicago by providing them with political education, leadership, development, mentorship, and revolutionary services. There's the National Police Accountability Project. There is the Transgender Law Center, Black LGBTQLA uh, and Migrant uh, Project, uh, IA, sorry. Um, and uh, Black Emotional and Mental Health Collective. And lastly, uh, from my side, Justice LA uh, Coalition in Los Angeles that um, has been noted to score huge wins in the past year around canceling a multi-billion dollar jail contract and are currently fighting to reduce the multi-billion dollar police budget. Uh, All... Yeah, so because Andy and I are like, we don't know what one place to give it to, so we spread it around. Um, and we hope that uh, you can take it upon yourselves to, you know, kick a little in the right direction. Uh, head over to Instagram, find out all the details. And uh, other than that, I would say it's time to get trekking. Oh, did you know what? Did you not want to say Dory's? It'll be on the Instagram. Said, okay, I'm right, sending people go. over to the link. Very making, good. Making, I'm, I'm ensuring that hopefully it's a you know the click through mentality exists where people just they go hmm I wonder what other places I better go look and then when they're on their phone <laughs> it becomes it's like easy a cliffhanger it becomes easy. gotta find much like the end of this episode this is this is <laughs> this is Matt and Andy's donation uh, part one uh, but yes we hope to uh, donate more very soon and uh, we hope that you will join us in that uh, but. Let's talk some Star Trek. All right. And you know uh, where to start, but I do know where to start with uh, this. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? Yeah, if you want to see the second half, it wouldn't make sense otherwise. <laughs> you didn't get it in. <laughs> it <didn't> uh, <laughs> it's a really I forget, you know, because I always watch this. I watch this one. I, I usually watch the two parters together. You know, I don't yeah. usually let it exist and then wait a while and watch it. Right. So it was very strange watching this first episode and going like, oh, shit, they don't even get to San Francisco <laughs> until the second <laughs> half. <laughs> so, yeah, um, it's a it's 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 a weird episode existing on its own. I suppose it's a cliffhanger. I do. You wonder how does Data's head get there, et cetera. Um, Andy, you is that, is that thing that hangs on you? That's the that's the biggest cliffhanger, right? Don't you think it's like, well, Data's obviously going to die. That's what they. I guess that's, that's true. What, that's they they're telling us here. I guess we're getting into we'll get into it, but they 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 very they lean on everybody reacting to Data's <laughs> Data's possible death. It's Look, really it would like, have a profound <laughs> impact 
uh, obviously, on everybody if that were ever to happen. Thank God. I guess. I guess. That it doesn't happen in this episode. Otherwise, everyone would be real bummed out. Um, okay. So, that being said, Andy, we should head over to the Admirals Club. Let's do it. Matt, how do they get into the Admiral's Club? You head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. It doesn't have to be a positive review. Just as long as it's five stars. You could be ad- admitted into the Admiral's Club. Andy, who's the first Admiral this week? First Admiral this week is uh, Adam Ware from Seattle, who says, all geniuses agree. What do Albert Einstein, Sigmund Freud, Isaac Newton, and Mark Twain have in common? They were all legendary geniuses. They all appeared on TNG, and they all agree that this podcast is the worst. So, but seriously, Matt and Andy, you guys are amazing. Keep up the good work. Thank you very much. Um, that is and, so true. Uh, they all appeared on this on this very show on Star Trek: The Next the Generation. Only guests we had. They all no no they all, on, on TNG. They were all at the Q level. Oh, I see. Have you have we gotten to that episode yet? Where Data uh, is on the holodeck playing uh, poker with them? No. No, I don't think so. Cool. Well, it's uh, not a spoiler because I believe it's in the cold open and uh, he, data, it's data playing poker with a bunch of genius scientists. Stephen Hawking. Here's my prediction. Playing himself. Not, not knowing anything else. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe I have seen that one. I feel like it's like a clip you might have just seen. You know, Maybe. it's out there, you know? Man, has that one been erased from my memory already? The, here's my question, and I bet I know the answer. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm just going to make a prediction. I bet you, not the same Mark Twain playing, not the same actor. Uh, what, playing Mark Twain? In the, oh, no, Mark Twain is not in the poker situation. Oh, I see, I see, yeah. Yeah. yeah not necessarily a reason you would have put him in the poker, yeah, poker no, situation, I, I, unless you just want the, the chatting. The I chatting mean, it's would be Isaac unbeatable. Newton, Stephen Hawking, Einstein. Right. I mean, I don't I have think, seen this one. Yeah. I don't think we need to throw uh, the most annoying, cantankerous old man on the planet in, a.k.a. Mark Twain. <laughs> yeah. Sam Clements. That's with an E, son. Uh, well, I don't know. Wouldn't you want... He, isn't he like one of the comedy writers you play with? Wouldn't he be like, uh, you know, a Would great, I pull uh, in Mark Twain? Yeah. If I got my choice of anybody, I'm not... Mark Twain's like 80th on the list. I would take Oscar Wilde easily over Mark Twain. <laughs> Interesting. I don't see Oscar Wilde as more as a poker player drinking beer. Oh, what do I know? I mean, look, he's a, it's a holodeck. I can make him whatever I want. <laughs> well, then why make it Oscar Wilde? This is completely makes no sense. Oh, uh, and your thing of you need Mark Twain makes sense? Mark Twain is the quippiest <laughs> author we have. That's what a poker game is all about. No, come on, Andy. Let's, 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 let's move off this hypothetical poker game. And start if a you real would like poker to submit game. your ideas for who would be the best people to play poker with, please <laughs> do so at STTNC. Um, the second Admiral Admittee is Here We Go 03. I figured it out. <laughs> Usually I just read it wrong. Um, who writes, unbelievable amount of content. Even when I sleep, Matt and Andy's voices are there to discuss and critique my dreams. It's so true. <laughs> We're not even leaving your head. And that's it for the Admirals Club. Let's go over to the President's Circle. All right, let's head out of here. And that was the Admirals Club. Oh, and here we go. The United Federation of Planets President's Circle. 
We have made it into the president's circle where all the beautiful people who are in our president's uh, level on Patreon uh, gather each week to discuss previous events, current, uh, previous to the Star Trek universe, and uh, current to the Star Trek uh, podcast. Andy, uh, it's time for the Crystal Pike, Christopher Pike, Medal of Valor. These are given to very special President Circle hails. Sure. <laughs> All you got to do is send us, a, send us a message on Patreon, and uh, you are uh, eligible to uh, be a recipient of the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor. Andy, who's the recipient or recipients this week? Um, here it is. Uh, the the winner of the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor uh, is Lieutenant Joe Moran, a.k.a. Muscles Ripley, who writes us. I thought this was a really interesting point. Hey, guys. Something I never thought about until you read Dr. Trek's synopsis. Hmm. How is it that they are just starting to launch small missiles, in quotes, but have te- uh, technology able to scan Cayman's memories, utilize energy beams, and download those memories into Picard. From what we are shown, they do not possess anything near that level of technology, as Picard would have sought it out during his time here. Lastly, how did the tech last the vast amount of time it took to reach Picard? I still love this episode. Perhaps that is why I never thought about it before. Stay safe, friends. You know, I think it was kind of like a Voyager situation, not the Star Trek Voyager, but the Voyager spacecraft that was sent out in the 70s. Um, sort of like, uh, it's still out there, it's going, It's but it's got a gold record on it and not <laughs> any sort of neuro beam. But the technology uh, to send something far away that is still running on and sending messages back, uh, you know, it's working currently, but that's, it's only been, what, 40, 50 years? Uh, yeah. I don't know if it will make it a thousand years. I hope it does. Um, but also, what about the idea of just like how how far that technology was implied? They're implying when he, when the missile goes up that that's right. That that's the thing that's that is gonna, the probe. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, th- there's no way that that does all the mind stuff. That, Look, maybe uh, the other provinces have been working on mind stuff forever. <laughs> the other provinces are that far ahead of this stupid province. Well, maybe really got dropped in a maybe Picard place. never bothered <laughs> walking any further. Once he did that one long walk, where he's like, "Oh, I'm so tired and uh, I'm exhausted and I'm hungry." All those years of roaming, you think he was just going in circles? I think he just was like <laughs> he was just getting tired enough to go back and eat the stew. Yeah, it certainly would fit the on rails theory. Um, all right, next. Let's see. Um, those are the priority one messages. Oh, here we go, everyone. Priority one. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. This is from our uh, Patreon. Um, I put up a, a post where you can uh, log your priority one messages, and they will get priority access uh, first is Lieutenant Neil Studd, who writes, There's a reason that the administrator looks so shifty. Scott Jake uh, played Voyager's original first officer, who died when he'd failed to oh, brace yeah, for impact right. in the pilot. Maybe Voyager was scanned by the probe before they left the Alpha Quadrant. He's playing uh, through the same memory. <laughs> Possible. Um, Lieutenant Eric Peoples writes us, Did the probe adapt to make everyone on the planet look human to match Picard? If Excellent the beam question. hit Worf, would they all look like Klingons, or would it be a human Worf? 
That's interesting. Uh, I'm going to guess that they're one of the many civilizations that look just pretty much just human. I would think so. Just, I guess it would kind of. I guess it's a valid thing that it would kind of screw it up if they didn't look like Picard. But um, I feel like it sort of fits in, like that. That's uh, that they they're trying to acquaint him with um, their culture and civilization. So if they looked different, I think he would have just woken up and looked like them, which would have suggested right, more right. that he was. And that would have cost more money that on uh, on, on makeup and stuff. And they had spent to mention all that budget that, on, on that clothes. That other primitive village that's making the missiles would have had to really figure out how to do that. Um, Lieutenant Trek Barnes writes us, uh, one nuance I think I disagree with Andy on is that this situation, uh, that this isn't a situation of Picard being sent to the past. It's Picard living Cayman's life, an amazing holodeck-type experience, but still not real. There is a limit to how much we see is Picard in that life, and how much is the original Cayman, I would imagine. And then Trevor Kozdrowski uh, adds on, I totally agree, not only is a simulation, but a simulation on rails, which is is what we were proposing, um, so that the viewer, Picard, can only see, uh, do and see the story, Cayman's life, that was programmed into the probe. I suggest that Picard couldn't do anything substantive to change the simulation because it follows the real Cayman's life. Which so, but they're all, suppose, we they're all presupposing that there is a real Cayman. Yes, which was a debate, and I, and I think I agree too. I feel like it's it basically is like we were sort of saying with the sort of the Red Dead Redemption video game rails thing. They're taking the basic aspect of Cayman's life, and then they're allowing Picard to kind of move within it enough that he doesn't question it. So he, he obviously he, still questions. He decided it. to do an honorable playthrough. <laughs> what is that? He didn't, you know, he had the highest honor possible. Oh, I see. And he got all the discounts at the shops. Sure, sure. Oh, was I getting discounts for being honorable? If you were very honorable, you got it for like a 50% discount. Those horses at the stable in Santa Day were like 400 bucks instead of 1000 Have you done a playthrough, Matt, where you... No, I can't bring uh, myself to be an outlaw. <laughs> I cannot. Can't. Every playthrough I've done is max honor. It's ridiculous. I really can't yeah, even... I just like, I don't want to... I don't want Arthur to be, go down that path. Right. I guess he would have done okay in Westworld. The robots wouldn't have turned on you. Thank God. Um, yeah, I, I can't either. Although I do wonder if you if you're just flat douchebag the whole time, then every time you go into a town, do they turn on you, or is it is it just you pay off your debts and that's that? Oh, they'll talk. They'll they'll have, they have different lines of dialogue for you. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen. I've watched some uh, dishonorable playthroughs here and there on uh, on YouTube. Every once in a while, I'll get some some townsperson being kind of a dick to me for no reason. I'm do just you? Like, what uh, I do. Uh, usually, I find the best way to deal with that is to fist fight them. <laughs> and Isn't then, that what the douchebag would do? And then, no, the douchebag would just blow their head off with the sawed-off shotgun. So you fist fight them, and then what happens? And then, and then the the cop, the sheriff will come over, and then I try to defuse it, and usually I get to move along. Really? Yeah. Even if you st- provoke a fight, crazy. Yep. yep. Oh, interesting. Um. All right. Uh, Frederick Rombouts writes us at 147.42 in the pod. Thank you for the time code. Uh, Cayman's daughter tells her father, you taught me to pursue the truth. Sounds like Picard, as Cayman, was up to his first duty (laughs) as the truth shenanigans in his alternate life as well. (laughs) Also, Matt and Andy, do you think it helps or hurts 
that the audience sees the probe uh, incapacitate Picard, arguably ruining the mystery, as opposed to, say, a cold open um, on Picard waking up as Cayman, leaving the audience to wonder what has happened and where he is, and only later learning, perhaps through Riker's log, what had trans- transpired uh, with the probe? Later episodes of DS9 and Voyager tend to employ such disorienting cold opens. P.S. Despite Catan's K- uh, automatic door-opening tech, they clearly aren't a spacefaring race because they haven't developed hydraulic office chair technology as discussed in other pod episodes. Uh. PBS laughed out loud at the return of Nurse Ogawa under over five counter. <laughs> <laughs> Frederick Rombaus. Uh, thank Mouts. you, Frederick. I love the um, I love the uh, over five counter. Yeah, um, uh, maybe we should have her on at some point and and give us a breakdown. <laughs> we should have her on, but only let us say four things. Uh, Lieutenant Scott Lieberman writes us I think the reason that Picard didn't help invent lots of new technology on the planet is because he was too busy learning how to be an iron weaver Uh, he was supposed to be the the best in the village uh, before he woke up how else can he support his family? Well, that's what his wife says. So he probably is like really bad at it but his wife is so supportive he's just being supportive. She She is one of the most patient spouses in all of definitely star trek <laughs> yes but you know again on rails not a real person or i mean is a real i don't know it's very confusing you don't think that was cayman's real life and that's why they chose i don't know well how why, how'd they pick cayman like you know in the picard life they should have brought him into some sort of laboratory where they would have scanned his quote-unquote memories Do you know what i mean uh-huh yeah it's a lot of questions I'm not. Um, I'm not here to begrudge uh, Inner Light. It's a great episode. Lieutenant Tim F writes us. I'd consider the base. This was a discussion about what was the most, uh, the biggest um, prop that you could own. I'd consider the baseball DS9 more important to me than the tin whistle or flute. But that's me. Uh, also, DS9 is all good from start to finish, but it really steps up the last episode of s- series two onwards. I think he means season two. Uh, can't wait. He's obviously uh, from the UK. I was wondering, is that what they say? Series yes. Two? Oh, there you go. Um, I was also thinking the uh, the data head from this episode would be uh, that would be a major win as a prop. <laughs> sure, I guess it would be. <laughs> Although I guess Jeffy would probably be a bigger one. Uh, uh, Lieutenant oh, Jerome, so you want a full drawer of Brent Spiner? <laughs> sure, put them all on the wall. <laughs> all right. Uh, Lieutenant Jerome Hemersbach writes us uh, Matt's observation that they haven't charted their system. But it still has a name. Does make sense. We currently observe and name tons of distant stellar objects, but don't currently have the tech or time to map them in detail. Yeah, yeah, but we don't accidentally uh, land on the same exact name that the people who lived there a thousand years ago called it. Well, I think this might address this question. Please. Uh, Lieutenant Cam, <clears throat> excuse me, writes us. I think it actually does make sense that the planet has a name in the Starfleet database. The planet was probably called something else by uh, the settlers of Catan, which is what I was calling them last week. But uh, because the probe knows where it came from and is translating everything for Picard, the word they use matches the one in the database. So once Picard wakes up, he knows where the probe came from. But it would have to, it would have to scan the Starfleet computer as well. Well, it's saying he's saying it. It's it's. Uh, You're telling me Picard's. that Patrick Stewart has that knowledge in his that not Patrick Stewart, but Captain Picard has the knowledge of that star system in his head. I guess that's what Cam is saying. Uh, Cam, no, sorry, Cam. 
And then Neil Studd adds, this is a much better solution than I've been able to come up with. I also wonder why the settlers of Catan didn't just trade some of their sheep for wheat or water. Just a reference to the game. Oh, boy. Good one, Neil Studd. Uh, Lieutenant Lauren Gleason, uh, Donkey of Prey, writes, if I ever need another online alias besides Donkey of Prey, I would 100% choose Cousin of Dragons. Um, <laughs> what I said last week. Lieutenant Commander uh, Cosmo Moore writes us, Matt, bro, you uh, you have my permission to turn on the air conditioning. We don't need you dying of heat strokes or for audio qu- audio quality sake. I'm let sure me, there isn't any worse, let me just, anything let worse. Let me just tell you what. Let me just show you what that would sound like, everybody. Just sure. for just for a second here. Hang on, it's really whirring up. <laughs> wow, it's really. It's actually not that different from the from the engine home. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, then when I level everything, it'll bring that way up. Gotcha. So. That is what it would sound like, everyone. I'm just going to turn it off now. Sounds, sounds kind of comic. Well, okay. The, the audience has voted. You do as you will. <laughs> um, Lieutenant Christopher Edwards also sent us an article uh, regarding Inner Light. Uh, Morgan Gendel, the, um, uh, the writer behind Inner Light, is releasing a 48-page graphic novel. I think this was a while ago. Oh, this was the article, and I think it was 2012. It's releasing a 48-page graphic novel to the story titled uh, The Outer Light, uh, installments of which can be on appearing on trekmovie.com. The story was originally pitched to Star Trek The Next Generation producers as one of their latter seasons, but was rejected outright because of a blanket rule by producers that individual episodes shouldn't have sequels. That's not true. So how do you follow up one of Trek's most beloved episodes in Gendel's own words? Now I can finally reveal how Picard found closure about a year after inner light and he learned some deeper truths about himself and the Catan experience um there are episodes that have sequels all the borg episodes had sequels the tasha yar going to the other you know um future what is it future imperfect what was the uh, no yesterday's enterprise yesterday's enterprise <laughs> is future imperfect a different one yeah that's the one where uh Riker is uh that little tiny gray alien puts that simulation together such a great title for such a terrible episode. Um, and then Lieutenant Commander Mike Mann uh, also adds, Josh and I hosted the Inner Lights writer, uh, Morgan Gendel, on our podcast, Making It So. Please, everyone, check out their podcast. Um, uh, to review the first three episodes of Picard. We were going to review the whole series with him, but he hated the show so much that he quit after the first three shows. <laughs> I think that's kind of funny. I don't blame him. Um, that's it. Uh, no hails this week, other than the what? priority one messages. I can I can dig one out if you like. The, I can't like, believe that. All right, here's one. Oh wait, hang on. Captain, Captain, we are being hailed. Wait, hang on. We gotta get out of here. Right. Okay. Captain, incoming message. Incoming message. All this right. Is from Neil Timmons, who writes us. Uh, okay, it's me again. I paid on the... Oh, he is on the 731 President Circle. I can't figure out how to get in. Oh, is that a joke? I yes, think I that's a joke. That. Okay, great. Um, I, I feel Not a, a real place, Andy. <laughs> I feel a huge sense of responsibility to make sure people are getting their, their just due. Uh, anyway, never mind. Uh, the inner light. Here's the thing. I think half your conversation was bad because somehow both you and Matt missed an extremely important scene. Picard gets zapped into the village and he's like, 
WTF? What are you? Uh, who are you people? But then he discovers her necklace and he's like, wait, what's that? And she says, you've seen it. So he immediately goes, oh, I've somehow been zapped into a probe. I'm still Jean-Luc. I'm just here for now. And he spends five years exploring and mapping and archaeologizing and all the stuff he was interested in. Basically discounting the crazy, beautiful woman who's smiling at him. But five years later, he got done with mapping, walking, surveying, sky watching and says, yeah, I've been a bad husband. Basically saying, yeah, I realized I was here just here in a dream so i did all the stuff i wanted to and treated you like a holodeck human but i'm done with that so let's do the other stuff too she said when will you pay attention to me and he was like hey you've been a holodeck program but you don't understand that so i'm gonna just say i was a bad husband taking responsibility for it then at some point the switch flips he stops being captain mccard and actually living that life but it takes well more than five years to switch the flip uh, switch that flip flip that switch you mean for that switch to flip we're like, we're not all perfect, guys. <laughs> but the whole interpretation about this episode, it's a long letter. There's a lot of places for me to make mistakes. But the whole interpretation about this episode, which I think is what makes it super great, is realizing that once he realizes it's a simulation, because he sees a manifestation of his old life within the simulation, then all of a sudden he calms down and does his thing. And it takes years for him to actually settle into the program. That is why I think it's one of the best episodes. Also, as a player of the Star Trek CCG card game, the Resican Flute is an extremely powerful artifact. So perhaps I hold some bias because the result of this episode is an artifact that I've used to smoke fools on my way to the Star Trek CCG World Championships. Although I did not use it in the deck I used to win uh, Worlds the first time or the second time. Is this also a joke, or did he win this? It sounds like I don't think it's a joke. Why would someone joke about winning uh, the Star Trek CCG World Cup? Congratulations, buddy. Uh, your podcast is so awesome. I chew up every word of it. It's so dang awesome and fun to listen to. I wouldn't be so passionate to write you a damn book saying, hey, you and Matt missed a scene, and it's a really important scene. Uh, I also think that go. that's an interpretation of it. I don't know that that's exactly what is happening. Maybe Mike Mann would have an answer because he could ask the guy who wrote it. You don't you don't think that he is deciding five years later to jump in, or you don't think he's deciding when he sees the necklace that it's it's a simulation. I don't think it's like a I don't think it's a switch f- getting flipped. I agree with you, and part of the part of the thing that bothers me about that moment is that it's sort of filled with importance, but it doesn't uh, it doesn't really make clear what it is. Well, there you go. And, that's and that—that's how we feel. Are the hails? Those are the heels. We are done with the hails. I mean, that was the hail. That was the hail. <laughs> we had priority one messages, but that was the hail. Right. Uh, it's time to talk about the episode. We crossed the many doors, the many places. Your hails made us think of all your faces. Sit comfortably in your humble abode. Let's talk about this week's episode. It's time to talk about this week's episode. It is uh, Time's Arrow Part 1, the season finale of Season 5 of TNG. Uh, Crazy that we're this far into it. Yeah. I don't know that that it feels right, but it means that... uh, We'll be talking DS9 
By this time next year, we'll be like uh, in into DS9 as of season one. It's crazy. I'm excited. Uh, so Andy, I just shared the link for the uh, for the for the Netflix party, so you can watch along as the clips are going. And uh, in the meantime, let me pull up <laughs> I'm not the sure song. If I give you a prompt. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, it, it, we're talking to, uh, Times Hour. It aired June fifteenth. That's late. June fifteenth, nineteen ninety two. Andy, what was number one? It couldn't have still been Criss Cross. It is not. The the uh the dynamic duo has been bumped off by Maria Carey. Mariah Carey. I'll be there. Mariah Carey. Oh my god, my brain. <laughs> In fairness, it is spelled Maria Carey, but that is, is on me. I should know that one of the most famous women in the world is Mariah Carey. <laughs> now if um, I'm if I if isn't it like from their from her li- it's like the live version, right? I'll be there. Yeah. It's the one featuring Trey Lorenz. Yeah, that's the live version. So I'm playing it right now, Andy. I even pronounce Mariah Carey's name wrong for all you people whose name has been pronounced wrong over the years. Oh, so pretty. Um, In the UK, the song was ABBA-esque by Erasure. Um, And... uh, the number one movie was Patriot Games. The number one book was Oh, The Places You'll Go by Dr. Seuss. Well, it is June, so it's graduation time. That's like the graduation book. Is it? People get the, give, give that to people for graduations all the time. That's not a children's book? It is a children's book. I see. Just as a fun, fun little thing. Uh, time Magazine cover. Uh, How Sam Walton Got Rich, The Wit and Wisdom of America's Favorite Shopkeeper, and Events... Dan Quayle, ooh, misspells potato as potato with an E in an elementary school spelling bee. As I remember it, the kid spelled it correctly, and uh, Dan Quayle corrected him with a wrong spelling. Uh, oh, dear. <laughs> I thought he was maybe throwing the game for a kid. Nope. No. I think it feels like he feels like he might have been... Uh, he might have been... Uh, Set up. <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, okay, so, oh, sorry. That does that. Let's slide that down nice and slow. Oh, thank you, Mariah. You were, you were very special, and uh, I appreciate you covering the Jackson 5. Uh, You're welcome. Oh, she's on the podcast. <laughs> It's amazing. Hi, it's, Mariah Carey. Hi, Mariah Carey. Look, uh, I don't have much time to talk to you because uh, we have to do a very I'm important... I'm a huge Trekkie. No, nope, we have to do a very... We really say Trekker. Very important up, segment. Sorry, sorry. It's time for that segment everybody hates. Time for Frank Sinatra. Come on. Oh, Andy, what was going on with the Fly chairman of the board? The moon. I'll tell you, Let buddy. Frank had finished up a two-week European concert tour with a performance at the Olympic Stadium in Athens, like Greece. He was on his way back to Las Vegas for another run at the Desert Inn, words, which would start on June 24th and run for six hand. nights. Nice. Six nights at the Desert Inn. Frank, in other words, never slowing down. Baby, Kelly slows down at this point to a stop. Find out. Find out Fill my heart with song and let me sing forevermore. You are all I long for. He was born in 1915. So what is that? 80. 
No, it's a 77. 77. No, that's not right either. <laughs> was it 92? It was yeah. a 70, yeah, 77. I think. I'm not good at math. Uh, wait. It was <laughs> 92. Hmm. Uh, yes, he was 77. You're mm-hmm, correct. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there you go. You guys got to listen to that choice. <laughs> Moment of two people trying to figure out simple math. In fairness, um, I just I just doubted my own ability so much. That I was like, that can't be right. Fair. 77 can't I, be right. I am certain you are better at math than I am. That I will do uh, Oh, we'll find out someday with a math spelling bee. Hosted by Dan Quayle. It's time to talk about Time's Arrow. This was directed by Les Landau. Uh, teleplay by Joe Manoski and Michael Piller. Story by Joe Manoski. And here it goes. Called to the scene. This is from Dr. Trek himself. Larry Nemechek's book, Star Trek The Next Generation Companion, revised edition. Called to the scene of excavations under San Francisco to investigate evidence of alien visitors in Earth's past, the Enterprise crew is amazed to find Data's head among artifacts dating back to the late ni- 1800s. Trialic wave traces in the cavern point to Davidia 2 as the source of the relics. After journeying there, Picard sends an away team to investigate. The team discovers a time rift and traces uh, of life forms that are invisible to them. This is... Uh, okay. Deliberately left off the team in an attempt by Picard to cheat fate, Data must now beam down to deal with uh, what he theorizes is a slight time shift in the life forms of the planets below. Uh, a shift that renders them invisible. Using a mobile force field set, he sets to match the alien time rift. Data begins reporting back to the ship of what he sees. Then another time vortex opens up and sends the android to the 19th century San Francisco. It is, thanks to poker winnings and a friendly bellboy, he quickly adapts the be- uh, and begins building a device with which to contact the Enterprise. So that's what he, I don't think that's what he's doing. Surprised to see Guinan in a local newspaper, he arranges to run into her, only to find that she is no recollection of him. She is not surprised, however, to learn that the two of them serve together in the future. Unfortunately, she is overheard by one of the guests, Samuel Clemens. To uncover sure. the suspected alien threat to history, the crew rig a large, phaseable force field, just as Data had done. Then Picard, unnerved by cryptic words from his uh, Guinan, Leads the away team into the vortex. Whew, there we go. Okay. A lot of stuff happened. It's, uh, that is that is half a plot right there. That is genuinely half a plot. <laughs> uh, That's a good title for an episode. Yeah. And uh, here we go. Uh, Andy, are you uh, on board? Ready to ready to watch it with me? I sure am. Okie dokie. I'm going to hit play. Hopefully you also hit play. Captain's log, stardate 45959.1. The Enterprise has been recalled to Sector 001 on a priority mission. Andy, do you know what Sector 001 is? Is it Earth? That's correct! My question is, is it 001 because Starfleet is based on Earth? Like, yes. I assume all the other... All the other uh, species don't uh, don't call it zero zero. Look, one. I think once you're in the Federation, you got to adopt Federation. Uh, <laughs> it's very. Stuff. Well, that's why the president of the Federation is an office. Uh, the feder- the president of the Federation is in Paris. That's right. That's where I am. That's okay. You're not the president. You might be in Paris, that's sir. Where I live. I live in the, Paris. You're not the president. I sir. have a house there. Nope, sir. You're not. Uh, Andy, have you? Yes. Are you? Are, is your thing working? Um. Let's see. (laughs) 
It hopefully is now. I don't see you in here. There you are. Welcome. Okay, here we go. Okay. What we've been told is that evidence has been discovered indicating the presence of extraterrestrials on Earth five centuries ago. Work crews were down here installing seismic regulators when they found some remarkable artifacts. <laughs> this guy is an asshole. Yeah. The science guy. Why he leads with a watch and a Colt revolver is beyond me. <laughs> Instead of going, <laughs> we dragged you off assignment to show you this very cool watch we found. <laughs> it's so it's so funny that he it forces Picard to go, gotcha, gotcha. Uh -huh. And why are we here? <laughs> it's been determined that they date back to the late 19th century. Yes. Ah. The bifocal visual aid is typical of the era. The weapon is a 45 caliber double action cavalry pistol invented by Colt Firearms in 1873. Here, look inside the watch. <laughs> uh huh, uh huh, it's engraved, okay. <laughs> hmm. What makes you think that extraterrestrials are related to these discoveries? <laughs> the crew was having a problem with the regulators. Something inside the cavern was interfering with the phase conditioners. Come and look at it this record out collection. The cavern <laughs> the composition of the rock face has been altered by exposure to triolic waves. Which you're not going to find on Earth in either the 19th or 24th century. Triolic waves. The byproduct of an energy source employed by very few species because of its deleterious effect on living tissue. We've confirmed that no one has been in or out of this cavern in centuries. So, we're left with a 500-year-old mystery. I'm curious, Doctor. If our greater experts on Earth to investigate your mystery, why bring the Enterprise all the way home? As we continued our excavation... <laughs> I'm showing you in the order in which we found things. Instead of just telling you. We found one other thing I haven't shown you yet. He loves the drama. We've tried to leave everything as we found it. He's a showman. Yes. <laughs> It'd be fun if he did a costume change to do this reveal. <laughs> I wish he threw a smoke pellet and then pulled the, <laughs> and then, and then pulled the, the tarp off of Data's head. Uh, now how do we know that's not Jeffy's head? That's yeah. It's a, it's a question that we get asked uh, right here. Yeah, at least we have transported head. the materials discovered in the cavern back to the ship for analysis. I wish I could be as dispassionate about the implications as my second officer. Interesting. There was a twelve percent decomposition of bitanium in the neural pathway links. That suggests that the alloys are vulnerable. Data, how can you look inside that? Analyze the decomposition without. Emotion, sir? Yes. I am simply trying to make an objective assessment. <laughs> I like how they have this uh, this uh, engineering platform for Data's head, ready to go. Just, you know, we need something about neck width. Uh, oh, you know, I have one of those in a closet. Jerry Jordy goes and gets it and pulls it out. And then the other thing I was thinking was, it's rare hey, that Dady we... used to play with this all the time. <laughs> it's rare that we see them... Uh, I kind of enjoy seeing Picard and Riker in engineering together. That's a good point. Uh, my my issue with this scene is 
what's with Riker? What's with everybody? <laughs> like everybody's given everybody seems so shocked that Data has no reaction to this. Like no, their thing. They're reacting. They're like, you know, they're doing the thing humans do. They're putting their yeah. own sort of emotions on Data. But they're critiquing him as though it's like it's their first day. It's like, yeah, you know why he's not, you dopes. <laughs> but your own theory proves otherwise. Well, that is true. So he does have maybe you're calling yourself yeah, a dope so here, Andy. A, maybe I am. You know what? I accept that. <laughs> uh, but I think that it's a bad idea to put this, uh, you know, this clue to what's happening in the middle of engineering right in front of the engines. There's got to be a lab that they could be using instead, <laughs> instead yeah. of the middle of main engineering. I assume it's clearly a, uh, it's, it was a budgetary Oh, sure, but still. <laughs> but uh, that is, is funny. I believe so, sir. Could it be... Law. No, sir. My brother's positronic brain has a type L phase discriminating amplifier. Uh-huh. Mine uh-huh. is a type R. Type R. Oh, yes, sir. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly color. what he's saying. Type R. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Ricardo's clearly mm, pretending that to understand what That makes total sense to me. <laughs> sure. Type R. Sure. Bong, this has been in the cabin. Decomposition strongly indicates that life was terminated approximately 500 years ago. That would be consistent with the other artifacts we recovered. Your head is not an artifact. In relative terms, perhaps not. Nevertheless, it seems clear that my life is to end in the late 19th century. Not if we can help it. There is no way anyone can prevent it, sir. But it's also like, it doesn't have to like, it doesn't mean that it's going to be right now. It's just eventually I'll end up back in 1890 and, uh, you know then I'll die. But, like, they're all acting like it's imminent. But that is what I... Yeah. Uh, the the distinction between how people on... In all Star Trek series, I would say, the, the wide span of how they react to certain people dying and then react to other people. Like, some people is just like, oh, this guy's dead. Let's never think about it ever again. And some people is just like, ah. Oh, this person will die at some point in the unspecified future. I cannot think of anything else. It's uh, it's not a balanced split. In some of future emotion. date, I will be transported back to 19th century Earth, where I will die. It has occurred. It will occur. Well, I can't tell you exactly who the aliens were, but I have found out a few things. First, I found a different platform to the put his head sized rock face tells us that we're pro- First of all, I found out that it's not the only thing we have to hold Data's head. I have a whole other thing. Want to see it? No, Jordy. What else have we found? Uh, okay, well, just ordered one on microcentrum <laughs> cell membranes. watch. Trialic waves wouldn't harm them. It also might mean they're shapeshifters of some kind. So they could have appeared on Earth as humans. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's anybody we've ever run into before. Nothing we've found matches up with any known life forms. What does match up is a cellular fossil, which might have been along just for the ride. A cellular fossil? A microscopic, ciliated life form, not unlike a thousand other single-cell life forms you'd find on any planet's surface. Except this particular one is LB10445. And LB10445 is only known to exist on one place, Davidia 2, in the Marab sector. Number one, lay in the course. On my way. Do you really have to go up to do that? You can't just fucking hit your badge. <laughs> cut to Riker in uh, the corridor. Well, they do. They do. Like, they cut to him with Troy. La-di-da-di-da. That's true. You actually make a good point. 
Um, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Keep going. Yeah. I have no particular desire to discuss the matter. Do you need to talk about it? Yeah. Uh, why? Dana, <laughs> that quick. this is going to bother you a little. On the contrary, I find it rather comforting. Comforting. I have often wondered about my own mortality as I have seen others around me age. You especially, Until now, it's been theoretically possible that I would live an unlimited period of time. And although some might find this attractive, to me it only reinforces the fact that I am artificial. I never knew how tough this must be for you. Tough? As in difficult? Knowing that you would outlive all your friends. I expected to make new friends. True. <laughs> and then better friends. Ouch. Seriously. Sorry, Jordy. <laughs> At some point, I'll become better friends with Picard than you. It'll happen. <laughs> I swear. Than anyone else. Who knows where you'll be then? <laughs> look forward to death. Never thought of it that way. One might also conclude that it brings me one step closer to being human. I am mortal. Regard to bridge officers. We're approaching the Davidia system. Report to your stations. I'll see you later. Let's get together for a game of chess or something, okay? You're being a real bring game. Uh, I think like this, a... this is... Um, uh, I think people have definitely pointed to this episode in reference to Picard. Um, the into to data's perspectives on mortality, mm-hmm. and it does add up a little bit more based on this, but it's still frustrating. No, it adds up, <laughs> but that that was never a problem. That that to me yeah. that to me that added that always added up. One thing is though, he mentions being comforted, which to me is an emotion. Uh, yes, to find comfort in something, I I, I would agree with that. Because, of course, as we all know, Data has emotions but doesn't know how to interpret them. A very Once intense again, discussion. Maybe that's right. Yeah. The right. They found Data's head a mile beneath San Francisco. Been down there about five centuries. That's why the Enterprise is being sent back to Earth. I didn't realize. Something, isn't it? Oh, we were already on. We were at Earth, the guy, and we left. You don't look out the window? <laughs> it is weird. He yeah. seems fine about it. <laughs> Better than I am. Are on our way to Earth. Well, I'd better get. To- no, 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 guy. We, uh, we actually were already, we were already there. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Warping our way to Earth. No, nope. okay. <laughs> I gotta go, guy, and I got stuff to do. Engineering. I'm gonna go set up a Full chessboard. Full circle. <laughs> I heard about data. Yeah. It's having unusually traumatic effect on everyone. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't want to talk about it, it's okay. The punch I'm fine. Walking Just, by. Angry. <laughs> I'm not angry. Yeah, I'm angry. Why should I be angry? Maybe because it reminds us of our own mortality. I just don't want to believe it. Have you ever heard Data define friendship? No. How did he put it? As I experience certain sensory input patterns, my mental pathways become accustomed to them. The inputs eventually are anticipated and even missed when absent. So what's the point? Who is that? He's used to us, <laughs> and we're used to him. That's a terrible wharf. No, no, I was doing data. <laughs> God damn it, Will. Why don't you know my impressions? 
Out of curiosity, uh, what was what was Guinan's phraseology about going back to Earth? Full circle. What did she say about? Did when she saying like, that's why we're on our way to Earth, or that's why? Uh, that's why the Enterprise is being summoned back to Earth, is what she said. That's because the line, original line was, that's why the Enterprise was sent back to Earth. Ah, she said the line wrong, and they just took it as the best take. Ugh, Whoopi, come on. <laughs> It's like finding out someone you love has a terminal illness at... Data. Counselor. Commander. Ubai. Were you guys just making out? (laughs) (laughs) Is Troy asking that about Data and the turbo lift? (laughs) <laughs> the data, data was like ma- licking the turbo lift control. Would you mind if I made a personal inquiry? <laughs> personal inquiry? No, go right ahead. I'm perceiving an apparent change in the way others behave toward me. For example, people abruptly end conversations when I appear, just as you did when the turbo lift doors opened. Is that an accurate observation? Not at all. <laughs> yes. You're right, Data, and it's not a very nice thing to do. It's just that our mental pathways have become accustomed to your sensory input patterns. Hmm. I understand. I am also fond of you, Commander. And you as well, Counselor. Even though I will replace you the second you are dead. (laughs) Um... I mean, I don't know what to say about this episode up to this point. I'd say that they're spending an awful lot of time on their reaction to future dead data. Right. In a way that I feel like is imbalanced with other deaths that they've dealt with in the past, with the exception of Tasha Yar. Well, I mean, this is the only death they theoretically knew or they know is coming. Uh, but they're really flipping out. And also it goes back to, aren't Starfleet personnel used to death? And I feel like, in a, I don't remember, it was a couple of episodes ago, we almost wrote off how they were reacting to a death because we said they were Starfleet personnel. Oh, it was in the uh, the Jordy Rowe one. Yes. So we were sort of saying, well, they're getting down to business because they have to. Yeah, so, but they also had that funeral, you know. Yeah, they had the funeral. I I bet like I bet right after this the the, the Picard's probably going to be like Jordy I need you to set up funeral arrangements for uh for for Data <laughs> and uh, and Riker's getting getting his bone already oh yeah he wants he wants it to be another Saints go marching in kind of situation actual analysis shows a high level of triolic waves emanating from the same location any correlation with the readings we received from Earth. Affirmative, sir. The magnetic signature is identical to the one found in the cavern. Would those trolic waves be dangerous for humanoids? Why am I standing long-term here? Exposure, I don't sir, have a line. Threat. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Dorn. <laughs> Take it away, Deep. Warp. Can I? Jordy, Jordy, Jordy. An extra back here? <laughs> Wait, I just have to. I nod and then walk away. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> what am I? Transporter room five? three, four, and away team. Commander. What do you think of a data feeling left out of the away team? <laughs> love it. I love it. Mr. Data. To me, this is the most emotional the he's seemed in any episode. <laughs> I I completely agree. <laughs> Him being like just leaning on logic, like on all cylinders, to illustrate why he should go. Take it away, team. Warp, Jordy, Troy, join me in transporter room three for an away team. 
Commander. Commander, Jordy and Troy aren't on the bridge. I'm no one knows you said that. Monitor the sensor readings during <laughs> this investigation. Captain, may I speak to you alone? Where should, where should we stand? <laughs> He's so annoyed. You want to stand to the corner of Sir, the bridge? It is standard procedure that the second officer accompany the away team. Yes, yes, Mr. Dater, I am aware of that. Then I must assume your decision is related to the discovery on Earth. I think it is reasonable to take precautions. Captain, there is no rational justification for this course. Then I'll be irrational. It is possible, sir, that the events leading to my death will not occur for years, even centuries. I hope that's true, Mr. Data. Nevertheless, this investigation began with your death. I'm simply trying to see that it doesn't end that way. I appreciate your concern, Captain. But to employ an aphorism, one cannot cheat fate. Cheat fate? Perhaps we can't, Mr. Data. But at least we can give it a try. Now, uh, this is proceeding. I think you were you were tying this into our uh, to our Endgame Avengers Endgame discussion um, on the Patreon. The mm-hmm. you were sort of saying this. They're handling time the same. They're both handling time the same way, which is you can't change the timeline. Correct. They are not handling it. This well, they are. This episode, it's handling it the same way. Right. So, I guess one question I have is, why is he so certain that that's him as opposed to, say, a data from a different, you know, parallel timeline? Like the multi, like a multiverse situation? Yeah, I mean, they've already established it, haven't they? Well, they would, they would, they, I'm sure they did a very high level scan on that data head. So they could tell that it was, yeah. that was actually data. Yeah. Like, otherwise, because, like, isn't there a thing, like, it would have, um, there'd be something off with its whatever. Some kind of signature. Yeah. Maybe. Blah, blah, blah. Star Trek, Star Trek. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, they, so they know that that it's. That should be a jingle itself. (laughs) They know that it is, uh, it's prime data. Right. Data prime. DP. Our Earth is zero zero one. Our our universe is Earth Prime. It's just like we're just a bunch of egomaniacs. That's all it is. Uh, what do you think of Troy uh, coming here to just sense these uh, humans? What what is what is even their reasoning of bringing her down? Is well, it, I mean, obviously I, mean, I understand plot wise, but the foresight of 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 Riker to get her down here to this deserted planet. <laughs> Well, we can't bring data. Let's bring someone who's equally useful. There's life here. Um, who will it be? <laughs> a child. An old woman. A magazine Dozens store more. clerk. Hundreds. Terrified. Terrified? My God will, they're human. No, just like the settlers of Catan. <laughs> Catan. Forty. It indicates like some chronic distortion in the areas emanating violent waves. Catan too, isn't he? <laughs> that explains a few things. How much data? A positive displacement of point zero zero four percent. Well, whatever or whoever is there, we're out of phase with it. But we're only talking by a fraction of a second. 
A fraction of a second would make them invisible? A millisecond, a year, it wouldn't but make But I am a Klingon. I can see many fractions of seconds. True. <laughs> and we're occupying the same space, but in a different time. How do we Watch this. It? I will fight them. Matter. <laughs> he we just fights the air. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I am fighting them. You cannot see it, but I can. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Guys, can we beam up warp? Oh, my God. I wish Data was here. Maybe. If we were to create a contained subspace force field, but to get a point zero zero four variance, we'd need an incredibly sensitive phase discriminator data. I don't think we have one that would even come close. Yes, we do. It is built into my positronic decompiler. It will be necessary for me to join the away team, sir. So I guess I'm going to have to go down, huh? I guess you're going to have to set me down. <laughs> Hold that thought. Data, could we just use your old head to do that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, God um... damn it. <laughs> Jordy, I think he's making up reasons not to go. I mean, to go. It's like he's a reverse chicken. Proceed, Mr. Data. Across the road thing? No, like if someone is scared or chicken. Oh, I He's see. reverse. Right. Sure, I could have said that more eloquently. <laughs> Would have made more sense, but I chose not to. I am glad I went back. Oh, no. <laughs> They're all so upset to see you. Is Troy thinking, does this mean I have to go back to the ship? He takes his little uh, thingamajiggy with him. I'm moving approximately 10 meters north of my starting position to observe more closely. They range from 2 to 3 meters in height, silver gray in color. They have four limbs. No eyes or ears are noticeable. So they're 6 to 9 feet tall, these things? where a humanoid forehead would <laughs> ordinarily be. They were inclined against the rock face. Surrounding an apparatus of some sort. It sounds like Data's having an acid trip, frankly. It is releasing what appear to be energy fragments, which are then ingested by the entities through the orifice. Perhaps some sort I'm of I'm not even aware of my own consciousness, man. The upper portion of the apparatus seems to be a holding facility for the energy segments. There are hundreds, perhaps thousands of these fragments inside. I have resumed the northerly direction. There is no evidence yet of humans. It is like such a weird design, these things. We've lost them. The creatures themselves? We've yes. lost them. They're kind of like, um, uh, the, uh, Guillermo del Toro creations. <laughs> yeah, they're all played by Doug Jones in a, in a suit. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Searching for two individuals with an ophidia. I think they're effectively scary. I, uh, it's so funny, you know, because I, sh shot, I shot at the Paramount lot two seasons ago, and just w looking at the, you know, the Paramount Street, uh, and just looking at the redress they did of it, it's very funny to me. Like, they didn't even bother to go anywhere. They just fucking went outside the stage. And Which street is this? This is the New York Street. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. A snake. <laughs> Frenchman. <laughs> this is a bit far-fetched. What is that? They think he's French? <laughs> they look at Data and they're like, why does he look like that? Oh, he's French. <laughs> that anybody would freak out. They would, everybody would rush him to a doctor immediately. Uh, they've seen albinos. Have they? 
Yeah, I, I mean, they even, you know, albinos exist. They're probably just like, he's an albino yeah. who, who has black hair instead of blonde hair. Could you help out a 49er? I, I fell down the shaft. I got blown up in the tunnel. That is unfortunate. It is most unfortunate. I require large amounts of whiskey as a liniment. I am sorry, but I have no whiskey to give you. <clears throat> I'll take a dime. I am sorry, but I have no form of legal tender. Yeah. We're in the same boat, huh? Well, <clears throat> this is my street. You'll have to go find one of your own. I would be happy to do so, but I am presently in search of information. Um, stockbrokers are cheap as hell. You don't even bother to ask. Your best handout is from a young fella with his lady. You give him a chance to show her he's generous. Steer clear of sailors. Most likely you get a fist to crush your jaw for your trouble. Thank you for your advice, but I'm trying to find two individuals with a snake. A snake? Hmm. You are an odd fella, aren't you? But just don't be too particular where you get your funds from. Uh, I, I, this guy's voice really just uh, has always stuck in my head. This guy... Can you help out a 49er? I always think about that. I say it a lot. You talk about... You talk about specific acting. Yes. This guy has has two scenes. He crushes it. He's so he's doing a giant broad the classic giant broad improv character. <laughs> and he just nails it. He somehow is is subtle in it. And uh and I had uh I had a lot of I had a lot of uh claim to fame with this guy. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. Uh well then I believe that that requires a, a jingle. Secundas claim to fame. I know him from something big. Uh, I had a lock in my head from uh, Any Which Way You Can. The funniest one that fits your critique of me is uh, I knew him from Honky Tonk Freeway. <laughs> sure. <laughs> a, a terrible HBO movie that they kept replaying over and over again. And, uh, and Blue Thunder. Um, and Rain Man. Those are all things that uh, that stood out to me. Oh, well, there things you go. I remembered him in. Uh, all right. So. Sir, I need temporary lodging. <laughs> Looks like the missus booted you out in the middle of the night. Ah, I understand the source of your misperception. However, this is not sleepwear, and I do not have a missus. Well... <laughs> I am a Frenchman. Oh. Well, everybody's from somewhere. Now, that doesn't matter at this hotel. It's six bits a day or four dollars a week. I have no money. Well, now that matters. But I am capable of performing significant tasks, both mental and physical. Perhaps your hotel would offer me a job. Geez, I don't know. Uh, we're pretty happy with the maid we've got. Cook's decent. Dishwasher's drunk all day. But at least he gets here on time. And, uh, there's me. I do everything else around here. Sorry. Lady Luck not with you tonight, Mr. Lane. We're about to see why no one should play poker with Data. <laughs> now, is it implied that he cheated in this scene? 
<laughs> oh, he's just a really good I poker think, player. I think I I think he really is. Uh, I think he's probably cheating here. Yeah. Yeah, I would guess so. That seems very undata like. I guess for the mission. I mean, look, he's got to get money. Yeah. I mean, I suppose he, by that token, right, if he's playing the game, maybe he is playing it. He's probably playing it fairly, honestly, because otherwise what would be the difference between doing this and going to a bank and ripping out the wall and taking the money out of the bank because you're super strong data? If you're the best poker player... Yes. um, Are there odds on... You know, you're winning in any ga- given game. What do you mean? Do you I mean guess like? I'm just wondering. Well, I mean, it does have to do with cards, and it does have to do with, uh, you know, but, like obviously but you, you, you know, if you're observing and and making. Like it's a matter of how much he could read their micro expressions and yeah. Well, them. also like he's got to know he knows odds and he knows when he's getting his money in good. And uh, I think Data's probably probably the best poker player there is. But he doesn't always win in the Enterprise game, right? Yeah, because they adjust to his strategy. I would assume. I guess I feel like the. Uh, maybe I'm wrong on this. You tell me. The only way he could really, well, I mean, unless he was he was stacking the deck. Uh, yeah, but, but he's, he only, he's straight, only dealing. He's only dealing one. He's only dealing once. But if he's if so, that's another problem. So but it if goes he's around playing the thing. straight, then it's about him reading the figuring out the odds and reading their micro expressions, right? No, that's it's not, not. No, because you can you play you can play you play poker online, where you don't see anybody. Yeah. So there's no expression reading. It's really just about, you know, in that format, it's really just about your cards, your Uh position, and playing it correctly and and getting the best value. And I guess this is what I'm asking. If you do it that perfectly, do you have a sense of ballpark what your percentage of winning would be? You have a sense in every hand of what your percentage is as a favorite. Yeah, I guess I'm asking, like, how how often would you win if you always made the right decision in that circumstance? Isn't luck still you would win all the in? time if you always you made the, the right always made the right decision, never made a well, bad always, call? I mean, I guess even if you made the right decision, isn't it possible that the cards are just you know that guy just had a stronger hand than you? Yeah, yeah, this, that guy could run out on you, like get a card. But they're playing; they're not playing. They're playing a uh, five card stud. So that's just whoever's got the that's best. That's different. So then how is he winning that? He knows how to play poker. He's a fucking machine. Even a five-card stud, you can do that? Yes. All right. Um, but that being said, yeah, that's why he's not hes not dealing every hand. I don't think he's stacking the deck. I think he's just good. Excuse but me, if that's the case, then how does he ever lose against the Enterprise people? Because the Enterprise people can bluff him, exploit him, like make an insane line. Take an I insane see. line with a hand that like you shouldn't take. Gotcha. You They're know playing how you, against you know how you his confuse, weaknesses. You can confuse a computer pretty easily. Yeah, yeah. They right, can yeah. just do that with data. Gotcha. These people don't know he's a machine. They think he's French. They, they muds women him. Yeah. Uh, do you have a claim to fame for anybody at this poker table, Andy? Uh, not that I. What the hell spotted. do you want? I would like to join the game. Hell 
Well, Face. are you familiar with Gal Ducat? Well, I don't like Easterners, personally. <laughs> I am a Frenchman. You know which one is he? Uh, He's the villain in DS9, right? Yeah, there he is right there with is the mustache. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. He's very handsome. Je suis né à la New Orleans. Alors, nous sommes presque frères. Je suis heureux de vous connaître. <laughs> Please, sir. The game is poker. The deal is yours. The ante is four bits. It is a really funny cutaway when he walks in with the vest. <laughs> In the yes, hat. it is a funny color. Did you see the on their faces? I did everything I could not to laugh. Oh, uh, anyway, good times. You took that poor Native American's characteristic hat with a feather. You mean uh, Mr. Fallhawk? Is that his name? Yep. I looked it up. Only is that, that the actor's up. name? No, the only thing that came oh. up was Memory Alpha. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, so then we see that the old guy's uh, life force gets taken out by the two uh, people that are uh, uh, probably aliens. And or here we go. Very advanced. Humans. What'd you say? We're very advanced humans. Um, I don't. I don't know if we've hit it yet. I think we do at several points in this episode where they're like, they've decided, and I think Data definitely does in the later scene with Guinan that these aliens are a threat. And I don't know what they're basing that on. What do you mean? Well, they've gone back to humanity's past, but their suggestion, everyone seems to be very decided on that they're trying to mess with humanity or Earth in a, in a threatening way. They're, they're, they're killing people. Oh, because of because of uh, uh, Tiana's Tiana's vision. Tiana, who's Tiana? Diana. Uh, Diana Troy. Diana. Oh, am I saying it wrong? (laughs) Jesus Christ, Andy! We gotta get you some sort of coffee or something. I need you need to get a little little pick me up over there. Diana Troy. Yes. Uh, Weird. That seems less classy than Diana to me. (laughs) Well, I mean, I mean, it's your name. I mean, I guess it's sort of like Leah Leia. Yeah, Princess Leia, Leia. You know, it's said right. both ways in the movie. Um, but uh, yeah, so they're said, so they're going back and they're using the cholera outbreak as a cover, right? To go back and 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 suck out the life force of people. So they're going back in time and murdering humans. But they don't know that at this point, do they? What do you mean? Don't they not know that until that last scene? But they're talking about it as though they already know that. Unless oh, well, you're saying this is, this, is by... them, this is them talking about it right here. Among my crew, I must move this mission forward. I'm not willing to accept that he's dead and just leave it at that. We cannot make Mr. Data our priority. What is more important than Data? Very Look important at what we have so episode. far. Evidence that these aliens have been traveling in time to Earth. What if they're trying to undermine our history for some reason? Some kind of guerrilla war? We must assume that there is a threat. If not to us, then to 19th century Earth. We have to determine what that threat may be. Mr. LaForge, we have to find someone... See, they're just, it's a very broad threat at this point. Th- yeah, but this is what I'm talking about. That seems like like 
Crusher is saying, maybe maybe it could be a threat. Worf, of course, says, yes, it's definitely a threat. But I was surprised that Picard was like, yes, we have to assume it's a threat. It's like, that doesn't seem Picard, Picard-ish to me. Uh, well, I mean, look, you have the evidence in front of you is uh, uh, Deanna Troy says, oh, my God, there's humans here that are terrified. There's a time portal. Data ends uh-huh. up dead. There's yeah. out-of-phase aliens that keep incurring back to 19th century Earth. They don't have seen that part yet, though, have they? They haven't seen that part yet. Well, they know that's where it winds up because that's where Data's head is. Yes. Yeah, so all right. Well, they don't, but they don't know what they're doing. But they they have again. They have the empath there. Right. The empath. I, the empath is is a more convincing thing. However, they don't. They haven't connected the dots to really know that it's the aliens that are inflicting that pain on these humans. Why else would humans be brought to Davidia Four <laughs> from nineteenth century Earth? Maybe the aliens misunderstood and are trying to help them. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so they opened up. They opened up a hospital uh, on Davidia right. Four, future an hospital. out of phase hospital. <laughs> That's right. Well, I mean, they don't really decide to go in for it after until they set up the big giant thing where they can start to see everything. Maybe it's like a future Alcoholics Anonymous, and that's why they took the uh, the Forty Nine er guy. It's just like, oh, we got to help him kick his uh, his destructive habit. Yeah, I mean, look, I suppose that should be up. They open. It should be open to more possibilities than threat, I guess. <laughs> These life forms. It's not going to be easy to reproduce what data did. I know. Only I can't see the data contains subspace field, but we need an extraordinarily sensitive phase discriminator to get that point zero zero four variance. Can you build one? Won't be as good as data's. And I was hoping you would math, but I guess I can. I don't know. I can try. It's going to take some time, though. I don't want anyone else going in alone. I can probably create a large enough subspace field to encompass everyone. But adjusting the phase inside the field, that's going to be the hard part. Make it so. We have to assume one thing, sir. Wherever Data may be, he's doing the same thing we are, which is trying to get to the bottom of this. He may have a better idea about what's going on than we do, so it might be in the best interest of this mission to find him. Perhaps in the course of this investigation, we will. I hope so. If we find Commander Data, it may be our fate to die with him in the past. If our remains are in that cavern, they would have turned to dust long ago. Worf, I don't think you know how bones work. Worf, get back. Worf, come here. <laughs> dust. <laughs> it's some of the dust. She's putting dust in a drink. Missile. It's probably Worf's remains. <laughs> seen such a complex operation since the academy lab find in exochemistry it's a tarsac aperitif nice very, reference. very touching the trick is to change the evaporation point yeah. of the main ingredient you want the temperature where the liquid goes to vapor to be a half a degree below the body temperature of the customer that way when the liquid touches the tongue it evaporates and the flavor is carried entirely by the vapor a few molecules awesome, the off, way. the vapor point crashes, and poof, it's all gone. All of it. What is it you wanted to see me about? <laughs> I hear you're sending an away team down to the surface. Uh-huh. Are you going? Well, now, this is rather unusual for you to be curious about an away mission. Maybe it's an unusual away mission. 
I know we're on our way to Earth. If you have something to no, say, no. I'm listening. Starfleet captains don't usually accompany window. away teams. <laughs> you have so many of them. It's yeah. general policy. <laughs> this what was that time we, we left to. a little while ago that looked just like Earth? <laughs> Earth. Why? Oh. oh. You just Earth. do. Do you remember the first time we met? Of course. Don't be so sure. I just mean, if you don't go on this mission, be just we'll like this drink. If he doesn't go on the mission, then they'll never meet. Right. Okay. I like the. Uh, I mean, you're you're right that it's sort of it's not satisfied in this episode. But I like I like the cryptic background of Gainan. Um, I I'm still looking forward to them paying it off. In Is some this way, kind so. of the thing that you're expecting Picard to have built? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Just wanted to be clear. <laughs> yes, that's what I wanted to see him tinkering with things with tubes and, and such. Sorry it took so long, Mister Data. Apology is not necessary. Whoa! Hey. Ow. Are you all right? <laughs> I believe I have overexerted myself. Yeah, I'll say. I gotta tell you, that, little, that tiny Jack London, he's not, uh, he's not, he's not lifting that anvil up those stairs. No. Is he supposed to be the author, Jack London? Yeah. Oh, nice. I sell him. I can sell anybody anything. What do you say? I believe your plan is a bit premature. <sighs> well, keep it in mind, though. I better get back. Oh, I forgot. I got you something at the bakery on 3rd. Oh, thank you, Jack. Oh, no, no, no. It's on me, partner. Is he looking at it because he crushed his croissant? Or is he just looking at it? I think he was just looking at a croissant. He was like, "This that bastard crushed my croissant." He's maybe he's looking at it like, "Hmm, there should there's probably some plot convenience under here." Ah, there <laughs> ah, <sure> it is. <laughs> Genteel laughter. It says on the screen. This, uh, a lot of editorializing in that subtitle. Does uh, does Harden have a claim to fame? He should. Uh, he sure does. First of all, yes, I, I, the TNG episode when the boat breaks, that did. <laughs> I was oh, like, oh, it's no. that guy. It's not even what I was talking about. Oh, Deep Throat. Yeah. From the X-Files, sure. It's sure. weird that, uh, I mean, <laughs> what was the name of that guy in the 70s that like all he was doing was one-man performances of, of Mark Twain? Do you remember? I do. I don't, what the I don't... fuck was his name? I don't remember his name. Uh, Mark Twain. What I feel bad about is um, Val Kilmer was doing Hal a bunch Holbrook, of Mark... Mark Twain tonight. Oh yeah, <laughs> Hal Holbrook. He's in. He's in everything. Also, um, Val Kilmer was doing a bunch of Mark Twain performances, and then he, I believe, got throat cancer. So yeah. now he does a weird multimedia presentation where he's Mark Twain. 
but we could have seen the original. Well, I mean, Hal Holbrook did the original. Come on. All right, we could have seen the, the reboot. <laughs> well, actually, in fairness, Samuel Clements did the original Mark Twain. That is, that is excited great. About great poker player. My dear Mr. Clemens, why do I think you are not one of them? <laughs> your suspicions, Madam Guinan, are undoubtedly based upon your keen observational skills. <laughs> now, if you'll permit me, I'll continue my character assassination unimpeded. My dear Mr. Clemens, please do. Please do. According to our best geologic estimate, the Earth is approximately 100 million years of age. Perhaps it is less, perhaps more. Perhaps a great deal more. Indeed. But regardless, it is ancient in the extreme. Now, geology also tells us that... It's, I can't even. It's so ridiculous. These people are delighted. It's so ridiculous. They can't get enough Mark Twain. I was, by the way, sure I had a claim to fame for this doorman. And uh, I looked him up, and I didn't. Speak to Guinan. And you are? Data. Mr. Data. Could it be under another name? No. Kind of looks like a... Um... I can't seem to find your name on the guest list, sir. I am a personal friend. Madam Guinan has discovered many personal friends since the newspaper announcement, but if your name is not I mean, on the maybe guest list, Crocodile Dundee? <laughs> It is urgent that I speak to you. Sir, unless you leave this house immediately, I will send for the police. That is an excellent idea. I will wait for them in there. Sir, please, you can't go in there. Guinan! Barry Kival. I must speak to you immediately. Forgive me, madam. He just barged right in. I'm sorry for the disruption. But you oh, believe me when it's I actually, it's from Scrubs. Do I know? That's where I know oh, it from. Yeah. And soap dish. That's funny. Uh, the Turk right. action, the action comedy Turk 182. I don't know if I would call that an action comedy. And he was in Hill Street Father Blues. Father, send you here. Uh, so, what do you think of Data and Guinan uh, meeting in 19th century San Francisco? I First really of liked all, it. did you know that the Elorians were that long lived? Yeah, I think I did. I don't know if that was an assumption or if it was. Mm-hmm. If it was well, I think a guy at some point, guy at some point says that her uncle is seven hundred years old. Right. Yeah. Um, I like that she's so long lived, and this is the original version of her, meaning she lives to the twenty fourth century. Um, and this and is this the is first pre, time they met. Pre Borg, I believe. This is pre the yeah. Borg wiping out oh, the Elorians. Yeah, I guess, which is kind of nice because she has a sort of brighter demeanor. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. if you do, I you like must it. go back and tell him I'm not done listening to I everything. was not sent by your father. I like that she says that you have to go back and tell my father I'm not done listening, because that's what the Elorians are. They're a race of listeners. Circumstances oh, demand that I take you into my confidence. I require your assistance. I also like that we find out she had a father. Sorry. I am from the I 24th century, where you and I serve aboard a... <laughs> Why wouldn't she have a father? I don't know. Oh, you think she's like a, like a Q? Yeah, because she can fight Q. Yeah. Q's a little scared of her. Starship. Yeah. Although Q has a kid. You see that in Voyager. Yeah. What does that have to do with anything? And? Huh? Oh, you're just saying they have Q. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's Q like appropriate. A, that's sort of... Our know, ship encountered a species. He did up. He didn't... Uh... Sure. Sorry. I am from the 24th century, where you and I serve aboard a starship. And? Our ship encountered a species who appears to be threatening 19th century Earth. 
I investigated and was inadvertently pulled into their temporal vortex. When I saw your photograph in the newspaper, I assumed you had joined me from the future, from the Enterprise. I knew your species was long-lived, but I did not realize you had visited Earth so long ago. I would look good in this, uh, in this kind of suit with that tie. Uh, dark, uh, clean lines. Yeah, you'd look great. Kind of the up, the up collar, that kind of a thing. <laughs> I think, honestly, start dressing like that. Maybe I will. I mean, why not? You Paul, guys heard it here first. Paul Feig does it. Like, just do it. Well, this is this is when Andy Secunda started to dress very eccentric, eccentrically, <laughs> as he was at home alone in quarantine. <laughs> Andy started dressing like he was always at a 19th century book reception. <laughs> Eavesdropping is by no means a proper activity for a gentleman. Nonetheless, the deed is done. <laughs> they just they play Mark Twain like he of course believes that these are aliens, sure. time travelers, and like has no nothing but everything that they're saying is fact. Like this he's is he's an open-minded individual. Uh, anyway, Picard beams down, and everyone's like, "Ooh, hello, Captain." They all they all sort of stand up straighter. I like it. Yes, really, they straighten their communicators. How soon will you be ready? We're ready now, Captain. Uh, who's in charge up there, sir? Subspace. Uh, uh, Chief O'Brien. I don't know. Field is established. <laughs> I'd be more comfortable if you'd monitor our progress from the bridge, Captain. I've reason to believe that my presence on this mission is imperative. Imperative? Yes. Mr. Wolf, you will report back to the bridge. Lots of blow by sir. that one. He doesn't want to answer questions Let's about that. Chief of Security, my place is at your side. The security of the Enterprise is of paramount importance, Mr. Wolf. Oh, you got me. Will I get to be in charge? I guess so. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> all right, fire all phasers. What? Enterprise. Uh, go or, ahead, sir. Beam me up. Did so it, annoyed. Do, you, do you think that it said, did the script say beam me up, or did he just throw that in because Doran felt like he always wanted to say beam me up? Because rarely do people say beam me up. Oh, good question. I'll look it up. Proceed, Mr. Fortune. I've modified this tricorder to interface with the subspace generator. It should allow me to control the phase discrimination, assuming this is going to work at all. I need everyone inside the field. There is so much music in Star Trek. There's a lot. Like that guy must have made a fortune. It's wild how much orchestration. It's all real solid. Well, it's um, all, they all—they record a live orchestra every fucking week. Jesus, I hadn't even thought about that. Yes. Um, Worf, uh, not pleased is the reader, which is the parenthetical suggestion. He certainly played that. Um, beam me up. Oh, I was hoping it was a Dorn. Zero four. Now, here, the weirdest thing about the design of these creature aliens to me is the little, like, dust buster they carry around that, like, puts the souls back into the, or whatever, <laughs> life energy. Here. Look at that. Oh my god. <laughs> it's an alien. It's alien tech. We're delivering more of them for the others to ingest. Look at what he's carrying. It's some kind of dust buster. <laughs> I, I'm still unclear on the snake, by the way. Like, what? I know the snake is like 
what data sees and what they go after but like what is that who's the who's in charge here is the snake in charge like is the snake causing all of this to happen it's a really good question <laughs> i thought at first that the snake was like a snake god but now that i'm watching it again i wonder if it's more just like well we need the snake to stock out the soul and then we shoot the soul from the snake into each person but like why not have the the dustbuster be the thing Oh, I thought the snake was the dustbuster. There's a dustbuster, no, and then there's no. also a snake. Look at the snake. Look at the dustbuster. Hang on, let me go back here because this is the end of the episode, and nothing has happened. Uh, <laughs> here, watch, watch when they it's enter. A they ask they're holding, questions. And they're holding a, a, a like a like a bag. Let me just jump back a little bit more. Okay, they're gonna see them come in. So there, one person's holding the dustbuster and another person's holding the snake. Yeah, it's a dustbuster and a snake, and that's how they're going to yeah. destroy uh, Earth civilization: a dustbuster and a snake. Yep. <laughs> By the way, please, uh, please check out my uh, my buddy cop movie, <laughs> Dustbuster and the Snake. I would watch that movie <laughs> all the time. One of them's Jake Dustbuster. He's the renegade cop who won't take uh, shit from nobody. Did you see? I saw a billboard on Beverly when I was dropping the dog off at daycare for for the uh, Eurovision movie, the Eurovision Song Contest. It's Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdam. No, and it's I like the kind it. of thing where you're like, "What? When did they make that?" Yeah, <laughs> I'm like so confused by how things are still Eurovision? coming out. The cool no, kids I love mean, their I'm, Eurovision. I'm aware of it, you know, and I like yeah. I, I've been aware of it for years and. Um, mostly like from my love of like Doctor Who and uh, Top Gear and like a lot of British television that sort of like has references to the Eurovision Song Contest thrown in. <laughs> oh, that's funny, you know, peppered in. <laughs> like I get those references. Um, yeah, but I've never watched it. Interesting. But that would be like the thing. I feel like that would like Eurovision. If they're smart, they would use this fucking quarantine summer to get that aired in the United States. Everyone would be like on board, I think. Yeah. Although I mean, I feel like everyone else. I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong. This is a little digression. The rest of humanity. <laughs> this is our Eurovision segment. The rest of humanity seems to be not really taking this whole pandemic thing very seriously right now. It certainly seems so. It's it's, it's a little uh, terrifying to me. Yeah, I I think uh, I think it was Kamal who who tweeted something just like so. You all stop acting like there was a pandemic checks notes because you got bored <laughs> yeah that's very funny which is basically accurate it's and like it's nobody's so... it's just like oh yeah it's done how come because i don't want to do it anymore <laughs> it's very strange to me like i as i said to doria is like i'm not like if i'm not going to las vegas or guitar center it, there's a problem like why right. the rest of the country isn't seeing this is beyond me or not the rest of the country but like why pockets of in everywhere aren't seeing this I mean, I'm assuming we're gonna. Are you gonna like go see your parents or something? Like, is like, are you planning on traveling anytime soon? I didn't have a plan. This is a really far. This is a far afield conversation. But like, Dory's father wants to come out. Yeah, and I'm like, he's seventy something years old. Like, I mean, I would love him to see Henry, but I also don't want him to fucking catch something on the plane. Not on the plane, but like like in the airport. Escape. 
also. Like a mask doesn't give you protection. It protects other people. And right. if other people are not using it, which they're not, then what are you going to do? I don't know. That's so weird. I have, Anyway, whatever. I'm anticipating another shutdown coming. It seems reasonable. But, but will people even pay attention to the shutdown? Uh, they should because luckily you and I are old hats at it. We still record this podcast remotely. Yes. I was on the phone with one of our, uh, you know, I, I was on the phone with one of the showrunners of Goldberg's today, and I heard the other one in the background, and I was like, what are you guys doing? Oh, they were together. <laughs> You're that together? makes sense. <laughs> Unbelievable. They're potting together. They're a pod. They're a pod. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want to be a pod with a dustbuster and a snake. All right. We're back. <laughs> now, now look on the right hand of the, uh, of the, of the, of the dustbuster creature, right? Okay. So he's got the dust buster and the other one's got the and the other one's got the snake. <laughs> Do you see what I'm talking about? Say so there's the dust buster. Right. And he's the got other the, is the snake. Yeah. <laughs> so that like looks like something Cobra Commander would have. But I don't know why they would need the snake. It feels like the dust buster would be good enough. I guess I it's like, like a proton pack and a trap. <laughs> Right. The snake is like the magic part. And the dustbuster is the science part. You need the ghost trap and the proton beam. It's, it's very. It's alive. It's very scary. I. I. I think all this was real scary. Do you really I like it? Uh, yeah, I like that they're I sucking souls never... out. I like the setup with with Troy feeling these people in pain. You know what's funny I about like... it is I don't yeah. have any recollection of ever being terrified of this, like or ever finding it scary, even as a child, or not as a child, but like as a ten year old. Yeah, I guess I was a child. The episodes of Trek where there are aliens that are threatening schisms? that are kind of it's yeah. horrifying to me. The episode schisms, I think it's still scary to me. We haven't seen it yet. It's in it's okay. in season six. It's coming up. Uh, we, I've seen a couple of things that I thought were scary. We watched that episode where Picard was abducted, right? And he was with that Bolian. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a scary one to me. Um, but Wait, the one where he's trapped with the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the other one is the, the fake Picard has that speech and sings a song in 10 Forward. You know that one. Uh-huh. That was scary oh, to me. Wait, which part were you saying is scary? The fake Picard? No, the fact that like he was in this dark seemingly wallless room with a Nosigan, a Bolian and him and they're being experimented on. Yeah, that's but that's but this is what I'm saying. The ones that are scariest to me are the ones with the unseen aliens that are doing shit to it. Like the conspiracy is a conspiracy, the one with the little bug creatures, that's yeah, fucking yeah, scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those things are very could have bought one of those as a prop. But who wants that? I don't no want one. that thing. No around. one wants that. I'd rather have a I'd rather have a Wrath of Khan bug. Yeah, that'd be a better thing. Yeah, yeah. If, if you got to collect a bug from Star Trek, it's probably yeah, Rathacon. yeah, yeah. You are about Rathacon bug. I don't know what we're talking I don't know about. If you see this, you got you got Rathacon bug. You got your uh, conspiracy bug. You want to come in here? Look, I got a I got Rathacon bug. I got uh, two data heads. One's a Jeffy. One's a Data. Uh, my buddy who owns a auction house is trying to uh, negotiate with the guy, one of the guys who own one. Well, I think the guy who owns the barrels from Jaws. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Negotiate to purchase one of the barrels for me. One of I thought Dave me, Mandel had them for me to get one of the barrels. Oh my god! What a dream. Well, it's funny because like when I was a kid, not when I was a kid, when I was eighteen. I was I, I get my whole childhood confused. When I was eighteen or twenty, like when I was in college and I watched Jaws constantly. Sure. Uh, my buddy John McDonough. Uh, he, he we would 
always sit around and go, what would be the best, what would be the one prop you would want from all of movies and television? And I always would say one of the barrels from Jaws. I would want... Because it's easier to store than the shark. <laughs> I would want some Han Solo thing from Star Wars. But more than that, I think I would want some Raiders thing that was really yeah fuck the whip quintessential. Or, the, or the or the pistol or the hat sure. or the or the idol or uh, the gold idol that'd be great yeah Mary what the, Mar- you know what the book Marion's Marion shot glass <laughs> sure I'll take a Marion shot glass seems like it's you can easily just say it's a I, mean, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna have a shot glass in my house and say yeah, that's, that's Marion shot that's Marion Raven with shot glass you know what you do Andy is you don't get touch a little, it don't you, touch you, it you get a little lucite case for a shot glass <laughs> And frame it, and frame next to it a picture of Marion with it, and then we make up a fake COA, and you're golden. The most pointless con of all. <laughs> just, just for people in your home. What's that? Oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, all right, it's time, everybody. For some reason, we still got to do an MVC for an episode that's only half an episode. <laughs> Um, I don't know. It's hard to say because nothing really was resolved. Um, I, I would guess say data. It's, it's probably actually uh, data's a great answer, but I'm Jordy gonna, did make the thing that allowed them to follow him. I think it's Jordy because not only did he have that platform ready to go for data's head, <laughs> it's true, <laughs> but he also built a fucking phase variance thing that was almost as good as the one inside of data. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Uh, you could also give some points to uh, to Guinan for not Never! Be- being slow on the uptake. She, oh, she's yeah, the one yeah. who told Picard to come, <laughs> come back also. She's fast on everything except which direction the Enterprise is going. <laughs> That's true. She doesn't seem to understand that. Maybe it's a time thing. Maybe she lives in all times. Um, uh, I would say I'd give it to – right now I would give it to – I mean, honestly, it would probably be Guinan who gets the full share. Yeah. Because she's I mean, a, I don't know how it plays to be, out, but that's I, the thing. I'm it's half an episode. Faith, I'm putting my faith in the fact that it's it is important for Picard to be there. By so the way, I'm going to say Guinan. If we're going by our full like our full on MVC rules uh-huh. of of TNG, it's technically Worf. How come? Because he's he's keeping the ship safe. That's of paramount importance. <laughs> he, he stayed by. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Let's give it to Guinan. We'll give it to Guinan for now. Uh, We'll see what happens next week. And uh, in the meantime, let's give it some Andes. We sit and watch and then we hang and talk. But the podcast isn't over just yet. How many Andes does this episode get? Andy, how many episodes does part one of two get for you? How many Andes? Yeah. Is it how many episodes? Um... Uh, I do. I like him going to the past. I like the conversation with Guinan and Picard. I want more of that. I want more details. I like sort of hinting at Guinan's past. Uh, I like them interacting in the past. Um, I like the poker game. Um, I don't didn't need to spend all that time with people being upset about the future death of Data. Um, and um, and I think the creatures are scary. Uh, but, and you know, obviously it is this weird thing of like we're judging it independent to the second one. However, Best of Both Worlds Part One kicks ass, so you can do it. Yeah, I mean that feels like a real cliffhanger. This one 
feels like a, uh, a, a, a ginned up cliffhanger. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, so I give it a five and a half. Yeah, I think that's probably right about where I would be too. I'd probably give it a five. It's um, watchable. Yeah, certainly watchable, but it really, the stakes feel forced and uh, yeah. Uh, should we watch the trailer for season six, episode one? We sure should. Oh boy, here we go. I'm going to pull it up here as I continue to not type in the right website. And uh, here, so, so I guess it will be Times Arrow Part 2. Should I watch Should I watch this, or is this going to... Eh, fuck it. All right. Wait, oh, I'm should gonna... you? No, you shouldn't watch it. Don't watch it. Okay. And I'm going to say don't watch it because when when we were watching it in real time, there was no trailer for the fucking next one for months. Oh, all right. There you go. Then so I won't watch it. So I think it. you actually shouldn't watch it because it will ruin too many things. Okay, should I take my headset off and you can wave me in, or do you not want to play it for them either? No, we're not going to play it. You guys, go look it up if you want to watch it, but otherwise just wait till next week and we'll fucking talk about it. Sounds uh, reasonable. All right, everyone, that does it for uh, Matt, Andy, and, of course, uh, Omar the Little. The snake and the <laughs> dustbuster. The snake, the dustbuster, Andy's cat Omar, <laughs> my dog Bo, uh, my real dustbuster... Uh, my real uh, uh, walking cane or umbrella, whatever the hell they're using that snake as, I don't understand. <laughs> uh, all right. So, that being said, it's time for us to get the hell out of here. Disengage. Follow Star Trek The Next Conversation on social media. You can find them on Instagram and Twitter at Star Trek TNC. On Facebook, search for Star Trek TNC and join the face group send comments questions prime correctives and anything else to sttncpod at gmail.com and if you'd like to leave a voice hail call 816 trek tnc that's 816-873-5862 for callers outside of the united states use country code plus one and don't worry no one answers the phone it's only for messages if you've got something to mail to matt or andy Send it to Andrew Secunda, P.O. Box 46898, Los Angeles, California, 90046. And please send an email to let them know that something is coming. Finally, to support the podcast and get even more content, visit patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Be a lieutenant for only $5 per month or join the President Circle for $17.01 per month.